Hello, this is the Online Resilience Podcast with me, Louisa Street, and Professor Andy Fippin. We're discussing all aspects of young people's online lives and giving practical advice on how to support the young people you work with. Music is by Rue Pestel. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Online Resilience Podcast. Um, Today we're going to be talking about pornography, but particularly how you can talk about pornography with young people um, to address some of the issues that um, might be useful for them to know a bit more about. Um, I'm going to start off um, with something that I find really interesting when we think about porn, and that is what is fake and is it okay that it's fake? Now, um, most young people will have an awareness that um, there are fake things in porn, whether that be makeup or um, plastic surgery um, or, you know, unrealistic penis sizes. But actually, there's a huge amount more than that that it's possible to go into. Lighting is a really big one. Um, So young people, if they're looking at their body and comparing it to what they might be seeing in pornography, they're probably feeling particularly bad about their body. But if they had professional lighting, they might suddenly find that they didn't feel so bad about it. Body prep in the days before a shoot as well. So porn stars will have a very specific diet that they will have in the days leading up to a shoot and particularly if there are um, anal sex scenes that they're going to be doing there will be days when they don't eat anything and they'll be doing lots of body prep to make sure that you know people don't see things that are not what you want to see perhaps um you never see women who are menstruating in pornography that is not um you know that that's not a thing it's, it's not a normal thing and it's it's kind of uh, very taboo to to have any kind of reference to that and all of that kind of builds up this fake wow. idea of um sex um andy do you want to come in on that yeah um, i just remember talking to a guy who ran an ethical gay porn site a while ago he was a really interesting guy he he very much took the view that gay men look at pornography so what's wrong with providing them with the content they consume and he used amateur models and everyone was hiv checked and uh, all those sorts of things um but uh, uh during the course of the conversation i said oh you know with faster broadband now and things you're moving over to hd he went no (laughs) that's a very definite no you went no you can see every pimple and every loose hair and things in hd that's not what we're after we want to promote a fantasy we don't want to promote the reality which i thought was a very you know Mm. uh, really interesting thing to to, he was ever such like i mean he gave like 25 percent of profits he gave to charity to support kids who'd come out and been kicked out of home and things as well he was a really interesting person to talk to because he was you know very much of the porn is a thing um, and people look at porn, so I'm providing people with the opportunity to look at porn, but it doesn't mean we have to be dirty about it. But um, but yeah, he was very clear that HD wasn't the way to go because <laughs> <laughs> it just shows you far too much. But I think there's a there's a really good resource by Southwest which is learning called So You Look at Porn, mm. which which it was kind of interesting in itself because it took quite a long time to develop because there was so such a lot of anxieties around um, whether this sort of thing should be put out and it's entirely factual mm. and it a lot of it talks about the fact that you know one of the first conversations you have is what you're watching with for want of a better term with mainstream porn is a film set yeah 
and that's why you've got multiple angles and that's why you've got scene cuts and those sorts of things um that's not you know two people having sex in a in a regular way yeah um and um it, i just think it's a really good resource because it takes this very factual perspective and talks about the history of these sorts of things and the fact that that porn's been around for a long time and and tries to get over this barrier of if you talk about porn you're going to have to have conversations about certain videos and you know, all those mm. sorts of things um um or you get the classic oh you look at porn then and, <laughs> and all those sorts of things as well um and i think you you talked about this in terms of when you've been dealing drugs education and your response was very much like this isn't a session about me it's about you, you know? my response has generally been because it's generally with a, a group of young men um my response is generally look, i've seen so much of it for work it does nothing for me so, um, <laughs> um, which again is an interesting conversation to have yeah. but, um, but yes yeah, so i think it's 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 a good starting place that um you know it isn't just oh these are two people having sex and, and someone just happened to stumble across them with a camera <laughs> now there is uh there is a a, a particular type of pornography that's like that but most of that is fake as well you know yeah. the stuff that claims to be amateur really isn't amateur no. either. so so i think there's some interesting interesting things to discuss there if you're having a factual discussion around the porn industry definitely you know. i'd pick up on a couple of things in that the first one is if you're discussing porn with a group of young people in any setting be prepared to be asked whether you watch porn and have an answer that you're yeah. happy to give because um, I mean, if you're in a one-to-one -one session and you're talking about porn, the young person is probably not going to ask yeah. you that because they wouldn't have the sort of confidence. They wouldn't have their friends backing them up. They're not going to get a big laugh for doing that. But yeah, if it's in a group setting, be prepared because you, <laughs> at some point you're going to be asked that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, my my kind of suggestion would be, yeah, to say like, I'm not, you know, I'm not asking you guys about, what porn you watch and similarly I'm not going to talk about what porn I watch because we're not in a confidential setting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um also um about um STI screening is yeah. mandatory in most um porn production which means condoms aren't very often seen in pornography mm -hmm. there are some places where um so any porn that's produced in california they have to wear condoms that's uh, one of the rules and that is why not very much porn is produced in california anymore <laughs> because other states um in america don't have that rule um so again just kind of reminding young people of those things like you're not seeing all of the prep that is done beforehand um you're seeing the uh the outcome of it and that as you said we'll have different camera angles reshoots if somebody yeah. um pulls an unattractive <laughs> face or uh uh -huh. position then yeah that, that an unwanted sound or something exactly yeah <laughs> i think you know um the the point i generally make is it's the porn industry mm. um it wouldn't exist if people weren't making money from it yeah um so while everyone gets you know uptight and icky about it there's an awful lot of porn that's being consumed and i've said before one of my favorite places for evidence around pornography is Pornhub's insights because they produce some really interesting data there but also some really funny data there you know we were chatting before recording um the increase in searches for pegging 
over the last couple of days um, because there was a rumour about a member of the royal family in that particular practice. Um, there's also some fantastic stats about the drop in um, use of the site when Eurovision's on, oh. which I just think is, is wonderful. <laughs> in Malta, there's a drop of 20%. In, in Britain, it's only a drop of 10%, which, you know, <laughs> shows how much more committed to Eurovision Malta are than Britain are you know um but but it exists because people make money from it it doesn't exist because people want to corrupt society if people didn't consume it then people wouldn't um provide that service they'd go and do something else Uh, that we need to remind ourselves of and the fact that it is an industry it's a bit like the conversation I have about preventing um children from accessing porn it's like well the porn industry doesn't want kids mm. seeing porn because they don't generally have credit cards and debit cards. Yeah. And things. Um, it's just difficult to prevent because yeah. of the, the challenges of age verification and things. But but yeah, it's 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 there to make money. It's pure capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> they produce a service that lots and lots of people wish to consume. Definitely, and I think most most parental controls will prevent access to pornography in most cases and I'm sort of saying that with the caveat that it's not going to it's not going to stop everything and um a, a friend of mine who is very aware of these sorts of things and had all all the parental controls set up on her child's device um wasn't able to stop a pop-up um appearing on the device which uh had pornographic content but you know, generally speaking, you are going to want to prevent younger children seeing mm-hmm. pornography because it's probably going to be upsetting for them. Um, but when you're talking to teenagers and older young people, um, you know, th- there's a perhaps a reality to accept that they they may be choosing to watch it, they mm-hmm. may be enjoying watching it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, filters are a great tool to prevent the accidental access of pornography. So they will basically work on blocking um, website addresses or blocking keywords. So for, yeah. for younger children, it's great. Stick them on there, put them on strong settings. You don't have to worry about it. It becomes more problematic with teenagers and things, firstly, because the sort of keywords that a filter will block might relate to issues of sex, relationships, gender, gender identity, all those sorts of things as well which are perfectly reasonable things for, for teenagers to be looking for. Yeah. And secondly, um, it's very difficult to prevent a determined teenager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I definitely know that my child's not accessing pornography because we've got BT home filtering on. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> he's also got a hard disk under his bed that his mate gave him. <laughs> he's got a USB stick that's chock full of the stuff. You know, it's, yeah. um, it, it does give a false reassurance. But, you know, those tools are very useful to, to prevent the accidental access. Definitely. Um, Another thing that I thought was interesting and perhaps something that could be discussed if you're talking about porn with young people is acting. Um, And there is a a kind of interesting attitude that people get a bit annoyed when they think that porn stars might be faking orgasm, both male and female porn stars faking orgasm. Um, but when you watch um, Avengers or whatever the most recent Marvel film has been and you see Scarlett Johansson doing, you know, a backflip and then... Um... She's dead in the MCU. You're so far behind. You just... oh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, when you see that, you don't think, oh, that's 
that's unacceptable because that was faked. She didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. She doesn't really know how to somersault and like strangle a guy with just her thighs. But you know that that's it's 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 a performance. And um, when we're watching films, we have that suspension of disbelief. It's important to remember that porn is mm-hmm. also a performance, um, and that you know how porn stars perform we might not think that they're that great at acting but it is still a performance it's not (laughs) real and and i'm not saying that no porn stars enjoy it or orgasm during filming but we shouldn't expect that it's all totally genuine Mm -hmm. it's like the the hour-long video and some some (laughs) lad going only last five minutes Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's again Editing. it's it is, yeah. yeah. And you know, there could have been yeah. several hours break in between yeah. well, maybe Absolutely. not several hours. I think they worked <laughs> quite hard, but um Yeah. Uh and and also just the not just the lack of diverse body types, but almost the fetishization of different body types in porn. So you've kind of got the standard um male and female body shape um that is gonna be you know in the in the mainstream and then you've got specific like body types that that might be um searchable or organized by category for um and that can again have an impact on how people think about their own bodies to think like oh i don't fit into the mainstream category i would actually perhaps be in one of these subcategories and maybe i feel uncomfortable about that mm-hmm. well I, must have, I, I remember having a conversation about what porn education would look like with a group of young people a while ago and and they were very much of the view that you get greater body diversity in pornography than you do in mainstream media and hollywood movies and those sorts of things so they were you know a little bit more um tolerant of of body image issues now now clearly there are some aspects of pornography that that are not at all inclusive of body image and things but um but they were they took a quite mature view that, you know, if you look at mainstream media and mainstream movies and things, you've probably got the, the body idea you just look at. Because uh, Thor, Love and Thunder is actually the most recent MCU movie. If you, <laughs> I haven't uh, seen but, it yet, so no spoilers <laughs> for this. Piece. But if you look at uh, Chris Helmsworth and that, yeah, he looks extremely muscular, but he probably hasn't had anything to eat or drink mm. for a day because you have to strip back as much water from your body as possible to get greater muscle definition. Hugh Jackman's talked about it when filming the the um, Wolverine movies that um, says, man, I, I spent most of the time with a headache because I mm. couldn't consume any water because I was supposed to be looking incredibly ripped and things. So. I just recently saw an interview with Henry Cavill um, talking about mm-hmm. when he was in Superman saying that, um, you know, he did all of this training in the months leading up to filming and was putting on loads of muscle mass. And then in the last few days before filming, suddenly you start dieting because you want to also look really lean because yeah. actually generally big muscles doesn't go along with no yeah. fat uh, and and so in the in the weeks during filming he was just in a really bad mood the whole time yeah. because he was hangry <laughs> <laughs> yeah and banging headache because of dehydrated as well so. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah i mean one, one of the other things that um uh, well I'll, I'll give you an example of this again looking at the porn industry and the fact it's online therefore it's collecting lots of data about what you're looking at i can remember i think it was as a result of um uh the joint committee consultation on the online safety bill where they're talking about pornography and talking about the prevalence of sexual violence in pornography and there was an academic paper cited as an example of this 
um, saying that it had done a sample of 400 of the more popular pornography videos. Um, now, even if you look at Pornhub, which pulled down a huge amount of content a couple of years ago, there are, I think, off the top of my head, around 4.5 million videos on that site. So for someone to take a sample of 400 and claim they are the most popular ones, kind of like, well, how did you determine that? Because the, if you like, the popular ones on your feed will be different to the popular ones on somebody else's feed. So I think it possibly says as much about the academic doing the sampling as it does about what's actually viewed as popular. That's not to say that I'm saying this academic clearly had a sexual fetish around sexual violence. I'm suggesting that maybe if you go looking for it, you'll find it, yeah. and then it'll start getting elevated in your feed. Also, I think one of the things we need to talk about is the fact that the keywording and the titles used in these videos changes. So, so what uh, does that mean? Well, if you start searching for various terms, the what, what the provider wants you to do is watch their content. Mm. So if you're searching for specific terms, the provider then knows that you're interested in these terms. So all of a sudden you start seeing videos that have got these terms within them. Now, someone else searching for other terms might see exactly the same video with a different title. And I think that's something that, that it doesn't seem to be that widely known, um, which probably because if you take the view that pornography is bad and people shouldn't look at it, then you're not going to start to, to dig into this stuff. But if you take an objective view and go, right, how do they maximize time spent on the site? How do they maximize the amount of content consumed? Therefore, how do they maximize advertising revenue and things? It starts to make a lot more sense. Mm. So, you know, there was a, another academic paper a while ago that talked about the, the sexually violent terms in, in porn videos, and they'd taken a sample as well, and they did an analysis in that sample. Not understanding that maybe the search terms they were using was skewing that because mm. the search terms they were using, they were then being presented back to them. So if you do a search for choked, for example, mm. then all of a sudden there's loads of videos saying choked. Now, so so there is um there is an awful lot of um, analytics going on in the background to try and they'd probably argue to try and improve the user experience. <laughs> I might argue to maximize revenue from you as a porn consumer. Yeah. And and those two things are not mutually exclusive, obviously. <laughs> um uh you know once you've clicked on the video and watched the ad they've kind of got their um yep. bo box ticked <laughs> <laughs> not trying to use a euphemism there um sticking with the idea of keywords uh for a moment um there's a few keywords that are often um causing headlines and and cause a lot of outrage um the most commonly searched uh, keyword uh, on a porn site I believe I'm right in saying this was certainly the case a few years ago is teen um, I follow a, a porn star on TikTok she doesn't post porn on TikTok you wouldn't she be able to on TikTok you'd be <laughs> shut down in an instant on TikTok there yeah. famously talks, conservative absolutely yeah and she talks a lot about the porn industry and the realities of it um I will find her handle and, and put it in the show notes if anyone does want to see what she's posting. So it is interesting. But she said that um, she was uh, being put in videos that had the word teen associated with them up until she was 32. So teen does not mean teen. They will put 
women particularly in videos that say teen for as long as they can get away with for as long as that um woman looks young enough to potentially pass as a teen and then i think the next most commonly searched term is milf um and again <laughs> it's probably not someone's mum <laughs> uh, and then before just before we started recording we were talking about um step family uh terms appearing more and more um and and again obviously i think most people would realize they're not actually that person's stepbrother or stepson or or whatever it might be it is interesting to see how things revolve on i just brought up the most searched for terms in 2021 hentai and japanese are the top two Oh wow! Okay. Uh, as, it, as it says, it changes over the time, but but yeah, certainly stepmom is mm. is rising up the ranks, um, and milf and lesbian is still very popular as well. But um, yeah, these things are used as ways to get you to watch content. You know, as you say, well, blimey, there's an awful lot of stepmoms. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> what goes on behind closed doors? Like, obviously, that's not the case at all. And and if you watch the video, it's probably not going. Hi there, steps. I mean, just <laughs> yeah. the the implication, the fantasy is in the title. Um, yeah. But if that's what people search for, that's what's going to change in, in terms of the in terms of the um, the video titles as well. Um, but but yeah, and and you know the other thing is you'll have a variation on popular searches based upon countries and things as well. Um, I think one have even do a state by state breakdown now as well. Oh, wow. so, so so yeah, it's but but. All of it is geared towards trying to encourage you to have the the best user experience possible <laughs> and, and have it aligned with the sort of content you're looking for. But but yeah, as you say, some of it has a fantasy element to it, like like teens, like amateur, like step stepdaughter, stepmom, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, and it's good stuff to be aware of because it does prick the the fantasy of it all and the. The, the mystique of it all as well to go you know what you're watching there you're watching a bunch of people in a lockup filming that and yeah. they're not really related by marriage <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um yeah it's interesting how many um porn sets are um hotel rooms and um offices that's <laughs> <laughs> what what furniture is around um mm. but yeah i think in terms of talking to young people about it uh, having those conversations to to explain that you know if it says teen it's probably not a teenager mm-hmm. um because actually to legally create porn you would have to be over 18 so that only leaves two years of <laughs> teenagers to to be in all of these uh different films so yeah have, having those conversations and just being really clear with young people that what you see has very little basis in reality. It's um, extremely unlikely that you can walk up to someone at a bus stop, say, oh, here's $50, would you like to be in a porn movie? And they'll say yes. However, there are countless videos of that sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and the fake taxi ones, I was quite surprised recently to hear people saying that they thought that they, that it was real, <laughs> even though it's called fake taxi. Yeah, I know, they couldn't be more explicit about yeah. the fact that- <laughs> yeah, we're just making porn films in a taxi. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um and you know, I think again there's there's a, a sort of subset of porn that is non-consent, um, mm-hmm. but that is not made without consent. Um yeah. it, it might look 
very realistic but that is illegal that is sex abuse imagery and that uh would be reported and and taken Mm -hmm. down and and as you say porn sites don't want to host that stuff so Mm -hmm. just again having those conversations with young people making sure that they know the production the work that goes into (laughs) making videos i would stress that obviously don't do it on a school computer but but having a breeze through Pornhub insights is actually really interesting you don't have to go on the main site to look at it it's a separate site and things <laughs> as well. but it is really interesting because it gives you an insight um into how much data they do collect on people and what they do with that data yeah. as well it's really it's really interesting though the the Pornhub annual review is always a uh, <laughs> worth a visit for for much hilarity and also <laughs> a great deal of interest as well Excellent. But just don't search for it on the school computer because no. <laughs> that'll probably trigger a monitoring alert. And if it doesn't, then you're probably going to fail your safeguarding inspection. Yeah. Um, and and um, if you're interested in knowing more about uh, the porn industry, um, there's been a brilliant podcast recently that was done by two journalists from the Financial Times called Hot Money. And I will also put a link to that in the show notes. Um, I thought it'd be good to end on... Um, a sort of final point about the importance of young people having a safe adult to talk to so children young people might be exposed to porn for a variety of reasons they might seek it out um or they might be shown it um you know in an attempt to intimidate or groom them um having an adult that they can go to who they know they can talk to about things to do with relationships and sex is really important and that you know for younger children might be you know very simply saying if you're worried about anything that you've seen online you can come and talk to me uh for older teenagers it might be sort of more explicitly saying if you're worried about something that you're seeing in porn or if you're worried about your porn use or anything like that then you know the the door's open and and Mm -hmm. please do come and have a conversation um and it's you know it it can be a bit embarrassing if you're not used to having those sort of conversations with young people a lot um but i i can remember from some safeguarding training that i went on years ago uh the trainer saying however embarrassed you are it's way more embarrassing yeah, for the young person so absolutely. if they sort out your help um you know that it's really important that they I get think as well if staff are aware of there's one or two people within the within the institution that that are comfortable dealing with it that helps them as well because we're we're certainly not saying every single person who goes into teaching really should be mature you know and really really you know you need to lighten up and you should be able to answer all these questions about porn no we're not saying that because yes it does require a a lot of knowledge and also um uh, an unshakable constitution (laughs) in terms of being able to because even with the most excitable teenage generally males after 10 minutes of them asking awkward questions and taking the mick and trying to shop they'll have as serious questions as anybody else does as well they just need it's almost their way of getting over the embarrassment of talking about pornography themselves so so yeah i think you know if you know there are members of staff that they can go and ask these questions to that's that's really valuable for other staff in the in the school as well as for, for the young people yeah I recently did a drop down day um, where I was doing drug education sessions and um, one of the 
activities that I start off by doing is talking to young people about what they do for fun, what they do to relax, what they do to unwind. And somebody shouted out masturbation and the teacher that was in the room was like, no, none of that, you won't have any of that. And I was like, no, do you know what, it's fine. And I raised it on the board and I was like, as long as it's not getting in the way of doing other things that you enjoy, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't enjoy that. And I think sometimes that, is appropriate you know sometimes it, it's okay to kind of let them have that joke and um and then to kind of respond to it and to not get annoyed with them because it's going to be those situations where they think oh I can talk to this person actually yeah. if I'm now worried about that rather than if I've been showered at and told not to say that <laughs> word in class <laughs> then I'm not going to go and speak to that teacher about yeah about don't mention it. masturbation you'll get hairy palms yeah wonderful yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. um so yeah just just kind of um I think you know we, we've sort of talked about it a lot on this podcast that if you can make yourself not just available to young people but to let them know that they can talk to you and that they're not going to get told off if they yeah. do talk to you about something they're worried about um that can be really valuable and and that relationship with a safe adult is has been shown to be more effective than you know all sorts of other interventions that we might do excellent cool anything to add on that i don't think so i think we're we're done on porn for now great (laughs) i I imagine that pegging will drop off the cliff next week and it'll be something else next week but probably yeah big increase in pegging is it's just a wonderful example of the influence of social media absolutely yeah but we're not Um, going to mention who it was because we don't want to get sued no no Um, excellent well uh, we will be back with more podcasts soon that's it for another episode of the online resilience podcast if you liked it please tell someone you know who might also enjoy it you can share on facebook twitter or even just pop a link in an email Mm